Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Views on View. This week, I'm your host, Charles Maxwood. I'm filling in for Steve. He's out of town this week, but I am talking to, is it Denise? Denise, yes. And uh, yeah, do you want to just introduce yourself real quick, let people know who you are and why you're famous, all that good stuff? <laughs> I am a full-stake developer, actually. My last job is backend developer, but I always did full-stake development. I am from Turkey, but I relocated the Netherlands three months ago, mm-hmm. and I'm currently a Go developer, actually. Cool. So you're doing Go? Yes. Very cool. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately, I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. So yeah, so you wrote this article then. Oh, this is back in July. So you just barely changed jobs? <laughs> Actually, my, my focus was to relocate to the Netherlands. <laughs> oh, and okay. I, I also like Go, so okay. I found the job and then that's Jen, I just reached the job. <laughs> Very cool. Okay, well, let, let's jump in real quick and talk a bit about... API calls. Now, you have kind of a different approach to doing API calls. So do you want to just real quick explain how most people do it and what the problems are? And then we can dive into how you do it and how that's different. Okay. Actually, I can. Uh, I would like to uh, give a brief intro- introduction about my JavaScript experience uh-huh. first. Okay. Because this led me to this article, actually. Okay. So uh, I was a Java developer, but I was just doing desktop application, but I always had a passion to develop websites. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in the undergraduate, in my undergraduate study, I always had the passion. But in my first job, I didn't have any chance, but I started learning React by myself. But okay. I, I, I made a huge mistake, actually, by learning React. Because if you don't know JavaScript properly, and if you dive deep, deep into a framework, that, that's the biggest mistake someone can do, actually. Because when I was learning React, the syntax was totally something that I don't know. They were using higher-order functions. They were importing something and then calling Redux. I was really not understanding what I was reading. Okay. So I then I then found found a job, but they were using Angular instead of React. So mm. then I started learning Re- uh, Angular, and then I coded with Angular for six months. Okay. So it was TypeScript. It was a different uh, lang- It was a different language actually, different than JavaScript. So mm-hmm. I also learned JavaScript, 
Then I found another job, <laughs> which they were using Vue.js. I was not familiar with the Vue.js, but I was into learning more about it. But the new job to offered something that I liked. Actually, they were doing test-driven development. Mm-hmm. So I was really into learning test-driven development. And they were using Vue.js on the front end, and they were using Go language in the backend language. Okay. So, so we started writing some tests, and we, I was also learning both Jest library, and then I was also learning Vue.js. So I spent quite a lot of time with learning Vue.js, JavaScript itself, and then Jest library. Okay. So th- uh, when I was writing, I was writing a lot of tests, and then things become quite complicated, actually. So in our team, there were a lot of developers. We used to work in pairs, but sometimes people used to call some APIs and then they they didn't implement their mocks for calling APIs. So right. when you run the test, just test, and, and then if the, if the test gives some errors, throws some errors, then the, if the JS gets four errors consecutively, it just stops. So we used to have a pre-commit hook. We were supposed to, uh, before com- before committing everything, it used to run all the tests. Mm-hmm. But since it, gets, it gets four consecutive errors, it used to stop. Right. So we then uh, at that time, we, we couldn't commit our code. So I was into investigating how this is happening. Then I realized that some people, some developers in our team used to call some APIs on the mounted hook or on the created hook, but they mm-hmm. didn't mock it. Right. So since they forgot it, actually in the code, just tra- was trying to send real requests to real server. Right. <laughs> so, I like it so, when my tests do that. <laughs> so and then the JS was stuck actually, mm-hmm. but since I switched from Angular and React to Vue, mm-hmm. there are many things that I loved actually. the The first thing that I loved is that you don't need to import some functionality from another library. Like in React, you need to import React or Router. But when I switched to Vue JS, I realized I don't have to import anything. So. For example, if you want to change the route, you don't need to import anything in Vue. And if you want to commit something to store, or if you want to get some data from store, you don't Mm -hmm. need to import anything. You can just call $store or $route or $router, for example. This is the thing that I loved about. And I think it also makes easier and and make it easier to use Vue as well. So we used to start with just because they were not mocking anything and they used to forget it. And then I suddenly realized that why I don't call my APIs like a regular plugin in Vue.js because router is a plugin, store is a plugin, and root is also a plugin. So mm-hmm. I told myself why I don't implement a plugin then I inject my functions to that plugin and then and then I, I can call my APIs through that plugin. Mm-hmm. So be- before coming to net coming to the Netherlands, uh, I I talked to my company and I said I have an idea like this and I also want to convert everything here to to a plugin. And then they they said yeah, okay you can do it if you think that's it's better you can do it. And then 
I switched to it and then we got rid of this just errors because if you forget to implement it and if you run the test, test tells you that there is a function that I don't know. <laughs> so, right. so at this time, you are not calling the real API, just, just does throws an error. So there is no possibility that you can, you can skip the implementation anymore. So okay. actually, this was the idea and we take advantage of it. Really, we also took advantage and it made development easier as well. Gotcha. So effectively, what you did is you said, OK, well, let's put our our API calls into a function. Yes. And then, yeah, when you run your test, it says, hey, I don't know what that function is. Yes, actually. Yes. If you like, I can dive deep into my article. Yeah. Well, I'm a little curious how you know, how you put this together as far as just a plugin. Are you... So when you say a plugin, is it just a, it's just another file in your project or? No, plugin is a actually object. Object, okay. is, it is an object which is injected to every view component. Okay. So if you write a plugin, it means that it is injected to every view component. So you mm-hmm. don't, you can directly reach that plugin through in every component. Right. Okay. So the other question I have then is how do you get everybody to use this methodology instead of the other? Actually, they can still import some functions instead of using the plugin. But mm-hmm. I talked to my friends and I, I talked to my teammates and I said, when I changed the whole thing in the company, I, talk, I had a meeting with my colleagues and I, I told them, guys, I did something like this. <laughs> so I think it's useful. And you should use it like this. Or I, sh- I showed how to write tests. I also showed them how to write new API call. And mm-hmm. I also showed them how to use it in a view component. Okay. So they also had some ideas and they also had some questions. And we went through all of them and then they also liked it and they are still using it. Okay, cool. But there is no guarantee that everyone is going to use it. If they don't want use it, so they can also have other uh, options. Right. Alternative. So the other question I have is, you said it's a plugin. So is this available as like an NPM package or something that I can add into my projects? Or is this just an internal system that you're using right now? Actually, my before writing this uh, Medium article, my plan was to make it a third-party application. Mm-hmm. third-party library but right. this is this is actually it's a mistake that i didn't write it because if i have written it had written it people used to start using it actually right. but i didn't i didn't make it a third-party plugin but in my article i, I showed how to do that manually so okay. everyone can define their own uh, plugins and use it in my article i tried to make it as mu- as much as as clear as possible actually. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. All right. So you're putting these fetch calls into your into these functions, and it looks like you're actually defining them as like some of these I see effectively. And maybe I'm just seeing steps to this, right, where you have a function called like get character, get person or whatever. Yes. Actually, I can talk about I was coming from the Java world when I switched mm-hmm. to web development. I was always curious curious about how these people are consuming some APIs. So I, when I was looking for API consuming libraries, I learned that there is a fetch API. So this is a built-in library that every browser provides you in if you are making a web development. Then I learned about a famous library, XCS, 
And it's really powerful library. It has a lot of features. Mm-hmm. You can write some in- ex- interceptors and you can intercept requests and response. So you can do right. some kind of middleware stuff with that. But I was always thinking, do I do I need to write every URL every time that I need uh, that I need to write some API call? What happens if I call the same API twice? Do I need to write all the links together every time? Do I need to write same URL? So right. I was asking this question to me, but then I decided that yeah, if if I move them to a function and then if I try to if I if I want to make the same call, I can call the function, import the function from a from a file, and then I can call the function. Mm-hmm. But the, the biggest advantage here, if you write function, you can just get the parameters that you need as an argument arguments, and then you can in the body of the function you can use fetch, access, or anything you like, even. You don't have to make API call. API calls actually, you can just return a dummy Java, dummy JSON data as well. Mm-hmm. So writing API calls in a function, if you are if you are wrapping an API call in a function, then it may it makes abstraction actually. When you are calling the function, you just know the name and arguments. You don't know right. how it's implemented. So either people can use fetch API or they can use Axios. Let's say there are some people who are using Fetch API and then they wanted to switch to Axios, for example. Mm-hmm. So in this case, the only thing that, that they need to do is to change the function itself. So they don't, they don't need to go through every view components right. and then change anything. They just need to change their function implementation. Mm-hmm. So That makes sense. Right, yeah, making... Making API call in a function gives you an abstraction. So, and if you select a better name for your function name, and if you select good names for your arguments name, and it makes it more usable. So it was nice. Actually, it was it was better alternative than right making writing same URLs many times if you call the same API. So if you wrap it in a function, this is a better implementation. But the problem arises when you have to write some co- some tests because you also need to import every you also need to mock every import in your component right. if you are writing some tests so this was the tricky part and if you are doing test driven development this is going to take too much time actually because in the code in the components itself you need to import it let's say you have you are making five different calls to five different APIs. So you need to import five functions to your component. And in your test, you need to make five import mocks in your test file. So right. this is this is too much effort, actually. Let's say... Right. And okay, those import mocks it. are just... They have the effectively the same function name. Yes. They just return the JSON data without making yes. calls to the back end, like we said before. Yes. So the problem is not only writing the test as well. So you can write the test once. Okay, it works. But let's say you need to refactor it. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's say you want to change it. So it's also a problem if you are doing test-driven development. So but by the way, when I was writing Vue.js, I also, uh, if you are doing test-driven development, you also 
mock some plugins that you already use. Like if you are using, for example, router, router is a default default plugin in Vue.js. So sometimes if you are calling a router and if you are writing some tests, so you you are also mocking by this plugin because Vue.js te- in test allows you to mock default plugins. Okay. So you need to write before mounting your component in test, you can uh, give some mocks to mount component method, and then it's going to give you a, a test instance, which is which has mocked plugins in it. So I was also using mocked plugins. I was also mocking the plugins, actually. And then I decided, yeah, if I do something like mock API, and then I can... I can mock it easily in the beginning, and then I don't need to worry about import mocking the imports, actually. So this was my idea. And then I did the implementation in my last company, and they also liked it and started using it. Cool. So, yeah, I'm trying to just get my head around this a little bit. So effectively what you're saying, and I'm just looking at the article here, you know, you basically have a describe call, and then you have a wrapper that you put on it with the mocks that you're calling, right? Yes, yes. And then uh, effectively yes. that does the import with those mocks and you're you're good to go. Yes, yes. The another advantage of this approach is uh, for every resource for in the rest implementation actually we have javascript file which has those methods like those functions that mm-hmm. makes the actual actual api call. So for every resource we used to have a client directory and for every resource we used to have a file for in the article for example i have for example people client and plane planet client for example right so when you go to client directory you can see the all functions all api calls but if you also divide it by resource by resource to to other files it also makes makes development easier. So if if you have a problem with the people API, you can just go people JS. If you have a problem with planet API, you can just go client directory and see the planet JS, for example. Right. So this also makes re- uh, reading code b- better. And then after implement after implementing this in my last company, I decided to share this idea with the people all around the world. And then I wrote my article. Mm-hmm. In this article, I wanted to make it as much as possible, uh, clear as much as possible, actually. I can briefly explain what I did, actually, like what is the implementation. So there is a client directory here in this implementation. Uh, for every resource, in uh, for every REST resource, we have a JavaScript file. Inside mm-hmm. every JavaScript function, every JavaScript file, you have you have functions that makes actual API calls. And there is also another JavaScript file where the implementation of this plugin lies. So there is a plugin which uh, takes all the functions important for imported from this client directory. So I import every function in this directory in this planet. JS and people.js files. And then in this plugin, this is the this is where the magic happens actually. So in this plugin, I introduced dollar API plugin 
to every dollar API property. Actually, this is a property where you can reach every method. So this is a this dollar API is just the object. Inside this object, you can just find every method which is which are under the client directory. So I am actually aggregating every function under the client directory in a in an object, and then I am putting that object as a property in every component, and you can reach okay. that object as dollar API mm-hmm. property. You can reach reach it inside any component. Right. So, and then you need to go to your view application and then you need to say just view.use this and then you need to give your API, your plugin, sorry. Yep, makes sense. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. And I can I can see where you're uh, showing how you inject that plugin yes. in your in your article. So yes, since this is, as I told, since this is not a third party plugin, I didn't write it. So mm-hmm. I I wanted all my audience to see the code and make their own implementation. So I also wrote everything that they need. Right, that makes sense. So the other things that I'm kind of wondering about here are, I think it would be nice to be able to share some of the some of the details. For example, you know, most of the examples that I'm seeing for API calls, you've got the fully qualified URL, right? So it's, it's HTTPS colon slash slash domain slash people slash ID. And what I'm yes. wondering is, is in a lot of cases, if I'm working in development, then I don't want that URL, I want like localhost 3000 or something else, right? Where I'm calling to a development dealio. So would you just set that up as config on the view app object and then just call it from your API plugin? Or how, how do you manage that kind of a thing? Actually, there is no management for that at the moment. But if, uh, I want to make this as a third party plugin. Mm-hmm. So when you are preparing your plugin before you say view.use. So you will be able to give some base URLs. Uh, As you said, it can be localhost, it it can be another IP. Uh, So when when I make a third-party plugin, you you can give some configurations to to the plugin, and then I will be able to use that uh, configuration in the functions. But at the moment, there is no such an option. So instead of, it is hard-coded here. So right. the, the HTTPS and domain and the actual base URL is hard-coded here. I did it for the sake of the <laughs> medium right. article. I, I wanted to make it simpler, but they can, my the users can define the base URL in some other 
JS file and they, they can import it here. Maybe they can also, if they are using Axios, for example, instead of writing some domain like this, HTTPS and domain, mm-hmm. they can just write URI. Actually, they, they can say people slash ID. And then mm-hmm. in the Axios, with the help of of an interceptor, they can add base, base URL to it. Okay, that makes sense. The other thing that I'm wondering about is sometimes I have to pass like a token, like an auth token or something like that back, you know, that's not necessarily just another parameter, you know, so maybe it goes in the header or maybe it, things like that. I guess you could put those in those functions, but in a lot of cases that has to be shared too. And I don't want to pass it down every time. Actually, I would again use interceptor like some okay. exist interceptor like that for if if you know the parameter if you're if right. the if you want to pass the token to URS starting with for example slash odd so you mm-hmm. can just uh, in, in, intercept it and then add your token for example just simply you can take it as a parameter right okay that makes sense I mean I, I have to say I don't love like straight up token authentication on the front end right because you you can usually can usually sniff it out if you know with your dev tools or find it in the the front end code if you can deobfuscate it or things like that so it's not it's not the best way to go but yeah occasionally you know i find myself either generating some kind of token or retrieving it from some third party service or a lot of times they're just stored in the cookies and the, the back end's encrypted it. And so the back end knows what to do with it. But yeah, I was just, you know, I was thinking, okay, well, yeah, some of this stuff's going to have to get passed down. And sometimes it expects the client to intervene and make sure that that information's there as opposed to just saying, oh, I pass the cookies back and forth every time. So, so yeah, I was kind of looking at something like that, but that, that makes a ton of sense too. So, yeah, I I usually ask about testing toward the end of the show, but we've already kind of covered that. So what overall has been your experience then doing this? It sounds like you've gotten a bunch of the people you work with on board to do this and it saved you some issues as far as, you know, your setup goes. But uh, are there any other advantages or disadvantages to this that we haven't discussed? Actually, there are many advantages. But the biggest advantage here is the abstraction of the call from right. the implementation. Mm-hmm. So you, you are just calling your function and inside the view component, you don't know anything about right. how it is implemented. But there are some issues in the development as well. So let's say you are starting a new project and the backend is not ready. Right. Or maybe maybe you are doing something, but the backend is not ready. So... So in this implementation, you can just write your own function and you can use it in everywhere until your backend is ready. Right. You can just return a dummy data. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to wait for the backend. So when the backend is ready, you just change one function only. So then ev- everything will be ready. Right. So this is one actually implementation, one advantage of making an, a- making an abstraction like this. So the other advantage is less refactoring in case of any change. Let's say mm-hmm. backend engineer, for example, today in my job, I <laughs> encountered this situation. In the backend, in the URL, there is a typo. <laughs> mm-hmm. So today, uh, my front I've never done that. I'm usually writing backend code too. <laughs> well, today, my front-end friend told me, ah, there is a typo here. So 
when I change the code, they, they just need to, if they make this implementation, they just need to change one function only, mm-hmm. even if backend changes. So in, in case of any change, you don't need to change a lot of code. So this, this call, this right. calls less refactoring in case of any change. But the, the biggest advantage here, you don't need to import anything in the function, in the view component and in the JS files as well. So in your tests, you don't need to mock everything. You don't need to import. Especially in the test cases, you need to import, you need to mock the import. And then if you want to change the implement mock implementation during the test, then this, at this case, you also need to import, import the function again. Mm-hmm. So you are importing the function, which is mock function clearly, but you need to change it. You want to change it. So you need to import it again. So this makes a lot of unnecessary code. If you implement this, there is no necessity to this one. So if you just want to change the mock value when you you are running your test, for example, let's say you want to change your code after mounting your component. You want to change the return type of your API code. In this case, you just need to go to wrapper and then you need to say, dollar API, and then you need to write your function name, and then you just need to write mock return value. So this is the right. only thing that you need to do. But if you don't use this, you j- you need to mock the import, and then you need to import the function to change its mock value, mock return value. So this is a lot of code, actually. Right. So the other question that I have is, do you ever write some of these uh, API call functions in terms of each other. So I'm imagining like you've got planets and then maybe you have like desert planets, right? So it's not just planets, but it's get desert planet or get forest planet, right? You used uh, Star Wars references in here. So I'm thinking like the moon of Endor versus Tatooine, right? And so, you know, um, sometimes that kind of abstraction makes sense. And sometimes it's just, you know what? We give you the option to give us the planet type. So just get planet with the planet type. But occasionally, I just get to the point where I've got get planet with type blah all over the place. And so, you know, it's just like, okay, get desert planet, you know, and I'll just make one. Do do you do that much? Or do you find that this is usually sufficient to not have to abstract further? Actually, I think you can just write another function. And by the clean code principles, actually, (laughs) you you should just understand what it's doing from its name. Right. So as long as you keep writing code in this principle, <laughs> so it's going to be, you can make another function and you can use it actually. Right. Okay. Cool. Is there anything else that we should uh, talk about okay. with this then? Yeah, actually, this is the whole picture, but there are a lot of improvements that need to be done to this implementation. First, I, I think that this should be a third-party plugin. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to write your own plugin. But in this implementation, since there is no third-party plugin here, every time you add a new resource, you need to change your plugin because that, this right. is not a third-party plugin. So every time you have a new resource, you need to change the plugin and insert the functions in that resource. But uh, my plan is to make this as a third-party plugin, uh, as a third-party library, and people can use import the library and just gives some, just pass some configuration to it, and then they they don't need to change their plugin all the time. 
Interesting. I'm a little curious what that would look like because my endpoints with REST or whatever may be structured different from yours, right? So would some of the config essentially say our API endpoints, like with path and things, follow these conventions, right? And so then it's just smart enough to generate the functions to call like get planet or get character on its own? Or are you thinking about it in completely different terms? Uh, actually, my plan, uh, as far as I thought about it, there will be a plugin. You will just say, you will just import it in your main JS, and then you will just say view.use to that plugin. Mm-hmm. When your application starts, it's going to go through the client client directory, and it will read all the JS files and import oh, the functions okay. directly to the plugin. So. As long as I you, gotcha. as long as you write your functions inside the client inside that specific directory, I I I also want to make it uh, changeable to the users. That mm-hmm. people people may want. I don't want dollar dollar API, for example, but he may he may he or she may want to name it someone else. For example, he may say. Uh, I want this like uh, product service, for example, dollar product service. So I want to give flexibility to the users so I uh, they can do whatever they want. But the other improvements that needs to that needs to be made here, as you told, there is no base URL here, so mm-hmm. you cannot pass the pass base URL here, for example. But, but my solution to here. Uh, to this uh, uh, limitation is that uh, since user, my user or user who is making this implementation, since they are exporting some functions, I can, my plugin can, before injecting those functions to the variable, to the plugin, they can bind, the, they can change this variable by binding another value, Okay. I can okay. I can bind an object inside that object that can be base URL for example. Mm-hmm. So if you need to use that base URL inside this function, you you just need to go to function go to function and then you need to say this dot base URL. So I can pass that those values by binding this by binding another object by changing to this variable this variable inside the function, uh, but Third-party plugins sh- should do it itself. Actually, it, right. th- there is no implementation in this article, but third-party plugin can do this. So, so that you don't need to change any arguments to get base URL. If you just say this that base URL, you, you should be able to reach it. Reach it. So this is also another improvement that should be made. Right, that makes sense. So effectively, what we're talking about is. We put this plugin in place and it takes care of all the imports for all the functions for you, right? So you still yes. would write them, you still put them in that folder and and you're in charge of, you know, formatting the URL properly and all that good stuff. And yes. then any common any common configuration would also be part of the plugin, right? Like the base URL or authorization tokens or yes. things like that would all kind yes. of fit into that same box. Yes. Actually, my plan is to 
inject store uh, to those function as well, mm-hmm. like injecting base URL. I'm mm-hmm. also planning to inject store here. For example, let's say I can inject store, for example. So if I can inject store to this function, let's say peop- uh, I call this function to get people, mm-hmm. okay, and then I will allow, allow developer to commit some data uh, to store uh, every time this function is called, for example. Right. So you don't need to very worry about committing it. Inside this function, you can do it. So if, if I can inject store, I don't know <laughs> at mm-hmm. the moment, but if the store can be injected here, it will be great use. Right. So effectively, you have an adapter for like Vuex yeah. or something. Yes. And so then it's, hey, I, I know JSON. So all I have to know is where in the store to put it. Yes. And then you can just reach the store by saying this.store, for example. Mm-hmm. You can you can just re- reach it and then it makes your components more readable, more easy to develop. Right. Makes sense. Well, sounds good. You'll have to let us know when it's out. Thank you. I am planning to write it as soon as possible. Nice. But I would like some others, if if they like to join, if they like this idea, so we can start a new group maybe in GitHub mm-hmm. or wherever they like. We can start a new organization and then we can start coding if they like this idea, for example. Very cool. Well, how do they get a hold of you if they want to participate? Actually, they can reach me from uh, Medium. Or they can leave just a comment under it. So we can contact or start a GitHub organization. I don't know if the people are interested or not. If I see some people who wants to do it, I I would love love to do it, actually. Cool. Sounds good. Well, I'm going to go ahead and move us on to the next segment of the show, which is our picks, which is just, you know, us shouting out about stuff we like. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show or... If you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. I'm going to go ahead and go first, and the first shout-out I have is... Now, I'm not typically on this show, so I usually start out with a pick of a board game or a card game, just because that I I freaking love playing games. And so I think I'm just going to pick the the latest one that I was introduced to that I picked on the other shows, and that is Irish Gage. Now, Irish Gage is a train game, and essentially what you wind up doing is, so you start out with some money, and then you all bid on stocks for a, a train line, right? And so anyway, everybody usually winds up with one or two stocks, right? And so then every time there are dividends from the train line, you get paid. And then on each of your turns, you can build trains onto your line and you're trying to connect cities because you get paid uh, your dividends based on how many cities and how large the cities are that you connected to with your train lines. You can So you can build trains, you can call for dividends. There were like two other things you can do. I can't remember. Oh, you can auction off another stock and they have a minimum price. And so you have to be able to afford the minimum price because if nobody else, you know, if nobody else bids, then you have to eat it. And then there was something else. Uh, anyway, but but that's effectively it, right? And so then you just build the trains out and, uh, oh, you can upgrade a city. So some of the cities have little co- colored cubes on them 
And that determines which ones pay out for the dividend. But not all of them have cubes. And so you can put a cube on the city. You can put a color on it. And that way it pays out double when that color's pulled. So anyway, so that's, I mean, that's effectively the game. Obviously, there's some strategy to playing it. But yeah, so uh, when I pick the games, I usually shout out the weight on Board Game Geek. And just to give you a little bit of a rundown on the on what the weight means. So so Board Game Geek ones are like super lightweight, right? So it's it's the the super duper simple games, you know, kind of like your Go Fish or something, right? Where they're really easy rules. You can play it with your six year old or whatever, right? Twos are kind of the average gamer, right? So Monopoly, I think, clocks in pretty close to a two. No, I think it clocks in a little over a two. But but most of the games that are kind of the traditional games are a two, right? Because the rules are pretty simple. You don't you don't have a ton of moving pieces, and so that that's kind of where this one comes in. It's two point three six. So just about anybody, even if they're not really into complicated games, could play this, right? And then the threes, fours, and fives just have a lot of pieces. They have a lot of rules, stuff like that. But Irish Gage, its instructions to play are one page front and back, and that's it. So you can imagine that it's it's a relatively simple game to play. And and it was it was really fun. It took us about an hour to play it with five of us. And so yeah, so I'm going to shout out about that. What else do I want to pick? I am putting together conferences, online conferences. If you listen to this show, you're probably going to start hearing ads for the conferences and things like that. So a few things that I'm putting together for programmers, and then I'm going to pick a book and some other things. So one, JavaScript Remote Conf is coming up in November. And so if you, the listeners, want to participate in the conference, it's completely online. We're going to have some time for you to just network with other people using the software we're using. Looking to have some sponsors there to, you know, so you can check out what they offer to programmers. And it should be a good time. Should be a really good time. We're going to run it all week. You can get tickets for the first two days. You can get tickets for all the talks in the first four days. And then we're going to have workshops on Friday. So if you want to submit a talk, you can through most of October. If you want to get a ticket, you can. It's jsremoteconf.com or you can find it on topendevs.com. And yeah, it'll be super fun. And then a few other things that I'm putting together. I'm putting together a how to stay current course because I have people ask me all the time, how do I stay current? And usually it's how do I learn the stuff that's going to get me a raise, get me a better job, get me to wherever I want to go in my career. And so I'm putting that together. I'm doing a pre-sale that's half half price. It's $47. And then afterward, it'll be full price. The other thing is, though, is that I, with the pre-sale, I'm throwing in a weekly Q&A call. And so, and, and this helps me kind of refine the content for the course, but it also, you know, allows me to help folks out and we'll just stay on as long as I can, basically, or until we're out of questions every week. And so we're going to put that together and I'm launching that on October 20th. Uh, but you can sign up now. The pre-sale ends in October. So uh, there's that. I'm also putting together a developer book club and I'm still working out which book. I think I'm just going to pick a book and an author and the author will be somebody I already know that I think I can get to show up every week. And again, we'll do a Q&A call every week. We'll have, you know, we'll have members of the book club, you know, join the call and we'll kind of rotate y'all through. And so if you have something to say about a specific part, something you like, things like that, 
Um, we'll probably do that. I have a really good relationship with Bob Martin, so I'm kind of leaning toward one of his books. But I also have a good working relationship with Kent Beck and some other folks. So that's kind of the direction we're heading there. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, I am looking at doing a view conference next year, but I don't have dates. And so we'll just wait and see on that. And then if you want coaching is the other thing, right? So I do offer coaching. Again, it's weekly calls. But we get a little more in depth and it's a smaller group. I limit it to 10 people. And so I can make sure that every week we're getting into your issues and helping you get what you want from your career, right? So if it's, hey, look, I'm trying to get promoted to team lead or, hey, I'd like to, you know, figure out how to get more freedom or, you know what, I'm a senior developer and I'm not sure where to go next, right? Or I'm a junior developer and I can't quite figure out how to crack the barrier into senior developer. I mean, I've, I've done all those things. I've done some of those in unconventional ways that kind of open up opportunities. And so we're getting into that. So those are my picks there. And then I'm just going to throw out a fiction book. Um, so I've been listening to these books by Dan Wells. The first book's called I Am Not a Serial Killer. And the main character is, has psychopathic tendencies. And he's fascinated by serial killers. And then somebody starts killing people in the town he lives in. And so, and he's like 16. And so it's him kind of tracking down the killer and figuring out what happened. It has a supernatural element to it, but I'm not going to spoil any more of it because I think that that's kind of what makes it fun is when you hit that twist. So anyway, I am not a serial killer by Dan Wells. I'm currently on the third book and I'm enjoying that. So I'm going to pick that. And then my wife and I have been watching Rings of Power. Jury's still out on that. Uh, for me, it's it's interesting but it feels like they've just got too many things going too many different ways. And I kind of want them to pull it together soon so that it's kind of all one story. But that's just me. I usually give it, give them the full season to win me over or have me decide, you know what? Uh, season one was enough. So we'll see how that goes. But those are my picks. Denise, what are your picks? Uh, actually, these days I'm trying to discover the old movies that I watched, actually. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to catch some details <laughs> that I haven't seen before. Okay. And yeah, and I was watching Ocean 12, I think, in 12. Mm -hmm. They comes to they come to Netherlands and <laughs> then I said, ah, this is too familiar. So <laughs> here. So these days I'm just watching the old movies and try okay. to learn or try to n notice things that I haven't noticed before. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I've watched Ocean's 11. I haven't seen the other ones, Ocean's 12, 13, or 8. So. Yeah. But cool. All right. And then I know I asked you before, but again, if people want to ask you questions about this approach or participate in open source with you, how do they find you online? They can go to my GitHub or can are you sharing this Medium post? Yeah, it'll be in the show notes. Ah, okay. They they can they can go to Medium Post, or I can share my email with you or mm -hmm. GitHub profile with you. So yeah, just go ahead and share your pro, uh, GitHub, and then they can send you a message on there. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we'll have that in the show notes too. And yeah, we're wrapping up, up here. Till next time, folks. Provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit c a c h e f l y dot com to learn more.